I'd invite you to pray with me. Gracious and holy God, what a gift it is to be gathered as your people in this place. What a gift it is to be reminded that you are our God and we are your people. What a gift it is to be reminded uh, that your promises are ever true, uh, that you are ever faithful. What a gift it is uh, to come before your word um, and be reminded of who we are called to be as your people in the world. Um, God, just give us ears to hear this day. Uh, Whatever threatens to get in the way of us receiving uh, the word you have for us this day, Lord, just help us to lay it down, set it aside, cast it out uh, so that we can train our attention and focus on you. Um, God, we're grateful for your spirit's presence. We're grateful for your word. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So our scriptures today come first uh, from the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy um, in chapter 7, and then um, Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, the first of Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. Let us listen to God's word as it comes to us this day. Because you are a people holy to the Lord your God, the Lord your God chose you to be his own treasured people beyond all others on the fertile land. It was not because you were greater than all the other people that the Lord loved you and chose you. In fact, you were the smallest of peoples. No, it is because the Lord loved you and because he kept the solemn pledge he swore to your ancestors that the Lord brought you out with a strong hand and saved you from the house of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, Egypt's king. Know now then that the Lord your God is the only true God, He is the faithful God who keeps the covenant and proves loyal to everyone who loves him and keeps his commands, even to the thousandth generation. He is the God who personally repays anyone who hates him, ultimately destroying that kind of person. The Lord does not waste time with anyone who hates him. He repays them personally. So make sure you carefully keep the commandment the regulations, and the case laws that I am commanding you right now. And now from 1 Corinthians. Let me go over with you again exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper and why it is so centrally important. I received my instructions from the Master himself and passed them on to you. The Master, Jesus, on the night of his betrayal took bread Having given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, broken for you. Do this to remember me. After supper, he did the same thing with the cup. This cup is my blood, my new covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. What you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact in your words and actions the death of the master. You will be drawn back to this meal again and again until the master returns. You must never let familiarity breed contempt. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. So we talk about relationships around here all the time. Just about every chance I get. 
I make sure to remind us that relationship is central to who we know God to be, to God's creative purposes, and therefore to our life's purposes as well. Y'all, we worship a triune God whose very being is relational. One God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer, a God whose own being and essence exists and is expressed in relationship. That God created the world and us in it and continues to use God's creative power through us in the world. We were created, the universe and all that fills it was created for relationship so that we might live in relationship to our God. Therefore, relationship, our relationship with our God, ourself, our neighbors, is central to our purpose. We were created by the God of love so that we might love, so that we might love God and love our neighbors as we also love ourselves. This is the heart of our existence. It's our most foundational why. It's why we are here. It's why our lives matter. In this sermon series, we're going to spend time looking at those places in Scripture, those times in the story of God and God's people, when God chose to make the importance of the relationship between God and God's people really clear, and to name in specific ways the nature and character of that relationship and how we are meant to live within it. In this sermon series, we're going to look closely at the covenants that God made in Scripture and listen for how those covenants are important for our life today. The covenants of God shaped the life of the people of Israel and the life of the early church. They are meant to shape our life as well. So in youth ministry, we create covenants all the time. Some of the people in this room have been part of that process with me before. Every week I served as a camp counselor, we would begin the week creating a group covenant. We do this in youth group practically every year. We would create one at the beginning of each confirmation class. When we gather youth together at a retreat for as long as I can remember back, back to my own middle school days up until now, We've created covenants at the beginning of our time together. An important distinction we always make when we are working on those covenants with youth is the difference between a covenant and a list of rules you must follow. A list of rules lays out the boundaries we must live within to keep people safe and out of harm's way. They're meant to govern our behavior and are set most often by a person or group of people in authority. Read adults here most of the time with youth. Those who live under the rules must follow them or experience consequences, natural consequences or otherwise, right? Covenant has a different feel to it. Covenants are not a list of rules we must follow, but instead a covenant is the way we promise to live with one another. Scripture's covenants hold within them the promises God makes to God's people about who God is and how God will live in relationship with them. And the promises God invites the people to make in response about who they are and how they will live in relationship to God. Each week in this series, we're going to look at a particular covenant in Scripture 
and seek to learn more about who God is and who we are called to be as we do. Next week, we'll start with the earliest covenant, the one made between God and Noah and his family after the great flood. But today, we are first going to look at the big picture. Through our text from Deuteronomy and 1 Corinthians, we glimpse the covenant arc that begins with the covenants between God and the people of Israel and continues through the new covenant God enters into with us, with us and through his son, Jesus Christ. That covenantal arc continues to extend through the life of the church, the body of Christ, that we all share in today. As Deuteronomy tells us, God chose the people of Israel, not because of anything they have done to deserve to be chosen. It is simply because God loved them, that God chose them to be God's people. Scripture reminds us that the Israelites were the smallest of peoples, the least likely to be chosen by the world's standards. This is something we will watch God do again and again in Scripture, choosing the least likely people to be part of God's ongoing story in the world. God promises to be their God, to be faithful to them, to love and protect them, and offers them the commands they are to live by in faithful response to God. These commands are given not as an arbitrary list of rules, but are given to the people out of love because they lay out a way of life that is best for the people. At the center of those commands is the one Jesus would lift up generations later, the command to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. I think God knew from the very beginning that we would struggle to be faithful as we sought to live out our covenant promises. As God gave the law to the people of Israel, built into it was this whole system of worship that allowed the people to make amends to God when they failed to live as God asked, when they broke the covenant between themselves and God. The purpose of this worship a whole system of grain and animal sacrifices the people could make before God was to give the people a way to restore themselves to right relationship with God, to give the people a tangible way to make amends when they had broken things that were dear to them. What becomes clear to us over time is that when things are left up to us, they too often go astray. My hunch is that God knew this from the very beginning, but that God also knew we would need to learn that lesson for ourselves. We would need to realize how in need of God's grace and love we truly are. That if it is up to us to restore a right relationship, so often our relationships will remain broken. So in time, after the Israelites have plenty of opportunities to experience their own need for grace, and all of us who have received their story ever since have witnessed this need too, let alone the way we see it in our own lives as it plays out, right? In time, God makes a new covenant with the people in and through Jesus. In this one, it is not up to the people to make the sacrifice to restore themselves to right relationships. Instead, God provides the sacrifice. All we need to do is to receive it. 
and the earliest instructions about Christian worship in our scriptures, it is clear that coming to the table for the Lord's Supper was an important part of the people's worship every single time they gathered. It's why the table is central to our worship today. When we come to the table, we remember God's covenant faithfulness to us, and we receive the signs of that faithfulness, the signs of the sacrifice God made on our behalf, Christ's body broken, Christ's blood poured out, the signs of the new covenant sealed in Christ's blood, the covenant of forgiveness that does not require our action to restore right relationship between us and God, the covenant of forgiveness that is a gift we simply receive. We come to the table empty-handed on purpose. We do not take for ourselves what is offered here. We simply outstretch our hands to receive what is freely given. We come to the table each week so that week after week we might have our relationship with God restored so that week after week we might be reminded of the grace that is offered us, so that week after week we might see what life flourishes when we receive the gifts of our covenant God. In Deuteronomy, Scripture tells us, Know now then that the Lord your God is the only true God. He is the faithful God who keeps the covenant and proves loyal to everyone who loves him and keeps his commands even to the thousandth generation. In the new covenant, we realize that God's loyalty and faithfulness extends even further, not just to those who love God and keep his commands, not just to us on our good days, our best days, but that God's love and faithfulness is for all of us, all of the time. What becomes so amazingly clear in the story of Jesus as we watch the drama of his death unfold, is that God's repayment for our hate, our fear, our violence, our destruction, our sin, is loving mercy and sacrificial grace every single time. This is the promise of the new covenant. Our relationship with God, our covenant with God, is meant to flow out into our relationships with one another. As we study Scripture's covenants, we will learn more about who our God is, but also who we are called to be in response. And throughout this series, we want to reflect together about what that means for our covenantal life here. When I sit with a group of youth and we make a covenant with one another, we ask each other, how do we want to promise to live together? Over the next six weeks, we'll be asking that same question of one another. As we study the covenants of scripture, listening for what they have to share with us about who our God is and who we are called to be, we will also listen to how they are meant to shape our promises to each other. So we've created these cards for you to take home with you. They're at the back of the sanctuary. We'll make sure and always have a good stockpile of them throughout uh, the six weeks. And we invite you to take them home with you and to prayerfully keep considering that question or one version of it, right? 
how do we want to promise to live together here? What promises do we want to make to one another about the way we will live in community in this place? The invitation is for you to write those ideas, those promises uh, you think we should be making as we live our life together on a card and offer them up um, here on our board in the midst of worship. Or you can email them to us or put them in the comments on Facebook if you're worshiping online, and we will make sure they make it up here on this board and get added on your behalf. The last Sunday in our series, February 19th, will be the Sunday of our annual congregational meeting and potluck. And on that Sunday in worship, we will focus on our covenant. We will take all the covenant ideas you have offered here over these weeks and create a congregational covenant we will all have the opportunity to affirm in worship on that day. What a gift it is to be a people of the covenant, to know that God is our God and that we are God's people and that God offers us all the grace that is needed to live into the promises that bind us together. Amen? Amen. Amen.